I'm looking forward to sharing the word with you this morning. I'm just so grateful that you, we can get together and I know that uh, when I'm preaching here, I'm preaching to myself. So, um, yep, I'm going to get in the, between the eyes and uh, it's going to brush me up. The word's always there to polish us and get us organized. So, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm, our theme this year is that it's a year of God's goodness. He wants to really display his goodness. He wants to um, just remind us of his goodness and he wants us to be an expression of his goodness. And so we're going to just uh, tackle it and polish ourselves up so we can make sure that we're uh, in a place where we can display it and, 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 and just express the goodness and the greatness of our God because he's been so good to us. And, uh, and this February, I've kind of gone into telling you that God's goodness has gifted us. And I started this last week, and so it's a three-part series, and I'm just going to go on to today to continue with it. And we're talking about the, the parable of the lost son um, that uh, we picked up, and uh, that we looked at the gifts the father bestowed on him when he came back. The son returned home after spending his inheritance and hoping to be hired on as a servant because he felt that he was, he'd lost his worthiness to, become, to come back as a son, and so he wanted to come back as a hired servant. And so the word prodigal is the word that's used. And, so, and a lot of us have been prodigals. And prodigal means that we've had wasteful living. We have lived without restraint. And, uh, and it's tied in with sexual and promiscuous and intoxication and all that kind of Life And uh, so when you say, oh, I'm a prodigal, yeah, you're tying yourself to all that kind of verbiage. And so, um, and I know that's, that's where Jesus found me. He found me in that place and, uh, and, 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 saved, and saved me and brought me back. The prodigal son's story is found in Luke 15. Verse 20 is uh, where I'm going to pick it up and just again, just read it to us. And so we could just pick it up and carry on. So, he, this prodigal, returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am not, no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servant, Quickly, bring the finest robe in, in the house and put it on him get a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet i tell you it was uh, it, it gets me because this father could see him a way off and uh he must have every day look towards the horizon where he watched his son go and uh believed in his heart it's just chatting before the service that this parenting is not for the faint-hearted i just want to let you know <laughs> And the kids in there say, okay, well, they grow up and they're kind of, oh, no, 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 no. They're your kids until you graduate. I'll tell you what. And they, it, it is not easy. And so he, he saw his son afar off. And it just amazed me. And the, the father was so filled with, he wasn't just, he just, oh, that's my boy coming back. No, he said that he was filled with love and compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. I don't know what he smelled like because he was obviously feeding pigs and stuff, but his dad didn't care. He threw himself onto his son and just hugged him and kissed him. And I sense that Jesus, when he was saying this, was expressing the heart of our God, the Father, towards us. 
He absolutely loves us. I said last week that even if you're just in your cesspit and you're in your mess and all you are involved in, you're thinking, God, can't, I'm not worthy to be even your son or child or even come into church. I just want to just tell you, just turn your face and say, God, I'm in this mess. And I tell you, he'll come running because he cannot wait to hug you and love you and embrace you. I tell you, that's because that's his goodness. His goodness, he, he just wants to embrace us. And the father reached out and he headed out to his son at full speed. Now, the fathers in those days wouldn't be running, but he ran. And I kind of sense there's two reasons, and I ended this with the, with the comment that he really didn't want the eldest brother to get to his prodigal son first. <laughs> we kind of wrapped it up last week with that and saying, what happens if you walked into the eldest son first? And I think lots of us have done that when we've walked into religion. That's the eldest son. And it's laid, and laid a heavy on us, man. Religion has laid a, a burden on us and just really just rebuked us up the one side, down the other side, and we think we're never worthy to come in here. And so the father said, I'm going to jump, get, get ahead of the line here, and I'm going get to get to the eldest before the eldest get there. He also wanted to get there before the village got there. Because there was, there was something that I, um, and thank you to Kathy, Kathy McNally, um, this prodigal son message was a real heart beat of Jim, her husband's, late husband's um, message when he preached. And he came up and he said that there was a ceremony, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce it, you may put it up on the screen, a, a, a Q ceremony. Can you say that word? I'm not even going to try it. Barry doesn't even try having those, saying those words at Barry's Bible study. But it's when a Jewish boy loses the father's inheritance to a Gentile. And what happens, they have the ceremony that literally, officially orphans that child, that person, never to be family again. And so the father was running to make sure the village didn't get to him to do that to his son. He wasn't going to allow it. And so the father goes on and, and totally ignores the son's rehearsed confession and, uh, and request. Instead, the father says to the servant, get the finest robe, get the ring and get the sandals. Like us at salvation, we are embraced, we're kissed and we're gifted. Last week I spoke about we've received the robe of righteousness, right standing. What did we do to earn it? What did the prodigal son do to earn it? Nothing. It's all the love in the heart of the father. And so he was bestowed with righteousness a rightful place back in back at back at home and so all of us that have responded to christ have had that same bestowed on us righteousness his righteousness are not ours as i uh, as, as i clearly tells us our righteousness are like filthy rags no no ways but this today i want to talk about the ring it's important that we see the ring the father told the servant go and bring the ring the ring represents authority Re represents authority not only was the son positioned back into the family, but he was also given full status and full authority. Given the family credit card. <laughs> it's kind of what, what it denotes. And, and as, we, as we believers are placed back into the family, we're authorized to function in the kingdom of God. And you say, well, I need to earn my right and earn my place. God says, listen, forget it. You can never make it. Just take my righteousness, take the ring, and let's get on with it, okay? I love you. I kiss you, I embrace you, and I will continue to kiss you and embrace you and hug you and love you even when you mess up because that is my love. And the sense that God is, God is saying that to us. And today um, we see rings worn for different reasons. Is that the Lord adding to my notes? 
Want to add? That's a yes coffee phone. Whoa, orders have been coming in. See, there's a wedding rings, there's a graduation rings, there's sportsman rings, there's family signet rings. Each one talks about certain things. Like my ring cell tells me, ladies, you're too late. Like 40, 40 years too late. It also tells you there's more to me than meets the eye. <laughs> I want to warn you. I want to warn you. And there's guys today that are going to get the NFL Super Bowl ring. And that says something. The ring says something. And I want to just kind of look at two, two accounts in, in, in the Old Testament to kind of bring us up to what the ring represented in those days and the weightiness of it. In Genesis, Joseph, had he, he had journeyed from being, a, being a, with his parents, then he landed in the pit, then he landed in the prison, and then now he is in the palace. And we pick up the story in, in Genesis 41 and verse 42. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. There Joseph started with the authority that wherever he was, it was the equivalent of Pharaoh being. Wherever he was in Egypt, it was the equivalent of Pharaoh being there. You understand that what that looks to us when God puts the ring on our finger? We are his representative wherever we are. And we carry that, that, that authority and that position and that title. The ring would authorize, allow him to decree into place. He would have a seal that would literally sign for anything because he had the full backing of Pharaoh. We see in, in Esther, Esther chapter 8 verse 2, it says Mordecai was brought before the king for Esther had told the king how they were related. Mordecai was um, Esther's uncle. And the king took off his signet ring and gave it to Mordecai. Mordecai would then go on to be able to um, uh, um, co um, come against the decree that was placed by Haman. Haman was eventually, he, was, he, was, he landed up on a spike. And, um, and that authorized him having the ring to bring a decree that the Jewish people could defend themselves against the decree that they, 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 they would uh, be slaughtered and massacred at a, on a certain day. He was authorized to do that and he continued to be, uh, have that authority um, by the king because he was given that ring. And just giving you these ideas to understand the weight when we say that when the father came and gave the ring, it was because of that. So, um, so our authority is from God. So Joey, where are you, Joey, Joey, Joey? Joey, please stand up. You've got to be seen. Can you raise your right arm? So that, you see that right arm there? In Joey's younger days, which wasn't, wasn't too long ago, he could stop an 18-wheel semi with that, with that arm. Can you believe that that arm and that, that guy could do that? Why? Because he had one of these things in his hand. He had a badge because he was a law enforcement man. And so when that semi-driver saw not only the hand, he saw the badge in the hand. It meant that there was an authority. There was more to him that met the eye. There was the full state of Virginia backing him up. So don't challenge it. The authority was behind that badge. It's, it's that authority we're talking about. That, um, that we need to understand that has been bestowed onto us. 
We're not only placed in the family, but we've authorized in this position. Something about authority. All authority is delegated. God has this by design because he's a God of order. He has uh, angels and, and archangels. He has rank and place. We also see that when we read scripture, then Jethro came and said to Moses, hey Moses, listen, you can't just be a one-man band here. You need to have some guys over thousands, some guys over hundreds, some guys over 50, some guys over 10, authorized. I'm talking about authority and people uh, are kicking against authority, but God has authority in the place for a reason because there's order there. Go to some of these third world places where law and order is fallen apart and you will come back and kiss the ground that the law enforcements walk on because it holds things together and holds things in order. And God is the one who has um, placed authority in place. And in Romans 13, 1, it says, all authority comes from God. Walking in God's authority is by faith. I want to just bring a story that... that um, 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 Jesus encountered when he was walking and it's from Matthew 8 that depicts and clearly explains what authority um, and faith and authority has. It says here in in uh, Matthew chapter 8 verse 5, when when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in, in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come to my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under authority of my superiors, superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, come, and they come. And if I say to my servant, do this, they do it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Jesus wasn't amazed at too many things, but he was amazed here. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And this is a Gentile who understood authority. He understood that because he was under authority, he had authority. And it's very important that you hear that. Where are you? in understanding and aligning with authority. And I'm hoping to, I want you to understand that Coastal Family Church was, uh, was authorized by Church of the Nations. Church of the Nations is a family of churches that Val and I have been for for over 30 years. There is um, apostolic oversight, over apostolic leadership. And here we are, um, that, up there we have John and Jane, which is Denise's mom and dad. They're our apostolic oversight. They, he's been a medical doctor for 20 years. He's been a, a pastor for a Harvest Church, which was one of the flagship uh, churches of Co- Church of the Nations for 20 years, give or take a year or so. And, uh, and now he's apostolic oversight to groups of churches. And uh, we're under the Harvest Cluster, of which he oversees us. He's the, like, they're like our mom and dad. When I have issues and have to call a friend, they're the friend I call. They're our oversight. And so Val and I were authorized by Church of the Nations leadership in 2004 to come to Flagler Beach to plant a church. I didn't just suddenly wake up one morning and have a BMR bonnet, grab a microphone and go. That is the dumbest thing you could ever do. You think the the devil's going to play dead here in in Flagler Beach and, uh, and just allow me to start a church. You're crazy if you think that. I understand that I have only authority here because I'm under authority. 
I also came and submitted to the local pastors here and teamed up with them because they had been in here, some of them 18 years, some of them 20 years, and I realized they'd put the stake in the ground and I could stand with them, shoulder with them, and we could build the kingdom together because the job was too big for any one church with 120 plus thousand of us in this county. So we can team together. But we, were, we came here authorized. And then God added to us the Tilton family, the Bromit family, and the Covey family to... Um, to help um, as elders to, to help us lead, lead and govern the coastal church. You see that there is an order here. And, we're, and uh, so we're an eldership-led church. We're not a congregational-led church. We don't uh, have majority, majority rule or you have favoritism rule. No, no. It's an eldership rule because that's what we find in the Bible. It's not an individual-ruled uh, church. No, I, I don't have the say. I'm just a spokesman for the team. And so I, I come and speak for the team. And it's important because it protects you that we have order and we have leadership. We had a, a, a youth pastor, uh, a youth leader, decide that he disagreed with authority. So he started teaching the, the, the young adults and that, that you don't have to listen to other authority, you just have to hear from God. So they were going home and saying, Mom and Dad, we don't have to listen to you anymore, we just, can, we just have to listen to God, and that's it. And so that came around back to me. And so... What clown have you got leading our kids? Because this is now causing issues back at home. So I got eldership, try to reason, couldn't reason. Try to get uh, our apostolic team came here, try to reason. No, dug his heels in. So I walked up and I said, listen, um, I just want to show you how authority works. Can I um, have the keys for the building? So he handed the keys to me. I came in front of the youth. I said, guys, listen, we have no leadership. The leadership is uh, now, we've just uh, disbanded their responsibility and authority. He turned around and says, you can't do that. I said, I've just done that. And so that was it. He had no say, no hook. He only was there because he had delegated authority by us elders. You understand that's how it works because I'm going to protect people. And if I start saying things from this pulpit, that is weird. I eldership are going to call John and say, John. We have tried to reason with Rod. He's smoking some stuff, and I don't know what it is, but you need to get you and help us. And it's a whole order and protection. So we understand that there is an authority, and I want to kind of say that to you because uh, the Father wants us to um, have authority in place. And we are also authorized with power. We're not just given this whole responsibility without the power. And so at salvation, we are authorized, we're commissioned, and we're empowered. And here we see in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came. <laughs> I want to go back. I want to go back to uh, the authority again before, because I skipped out. I got so excited about telling you the story. But I want, to, I want you to understand that you only have authority because you're under authority. Because I bought this whole box and I had it all prepared. So I, I've got to, got to give you the illustration. I say that the way authority works is that you've got to wear the right cap at the right time. Because if you don't, like, I don't have authority to walk into your home and tell you how to do your home. That, that you have with, with God. I can't tell you, I can suggest and, and, and advise you about your personal life. There are certain boundaries that I have as a pastor that we can and cannot do. So we understand that. So I am now up in, 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 in South Africa with my brother-in-law, who's the senior pastor of the church. I am uh, um, part of the church. I'm working for the church. I'm part of the eldership of the church. And, um, and he's also family. And so in one sentence, I wouldn't have to need sometimes to wear 
multiple caps to understand that as I align with authority, I have authority. So he comes up to me one day when I'm walking in the auditorium. He says, Rod, listen, I heard that the way you spoke to Val the other day. And as your pastor, I really don't think that is good. So can we, can, you, can we just talk about it? And can you just reconcile that and you can make it right? And so I, as a congregant, put my congregational hand on and said, yes. Sorry, pastor. I will go and repent with sackcloth and ashes in front of my wife. <laughs> because now I'm receiving him as my pastor. And he says, so he says, oh, by the way, I went to the bathroom the other day. And the, to- the lights are not working, so can you fix the lights? So I'll put the, r- the other hat on. That's my working hat. And I am now working. I'm employed by a coast, uh, by a victory, and I'm working. And I have to go and fix the lights. We'll fix the sound. We'll fix whatever he's telling me to fix because I'm wearing the right hat. And I'm wearing that hat. And then he says, oh, by the way, don't forget, we have a couple that we want to put into leadership tonight when we get together. And so I said, okay, sure. And I put on my eldership hat. And I discussed the issue with the eldership hat. And I postured myself as an, a co-elder, a co-equal with, 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 with Harry. And so then he says, listen, Rod, um, on your way home, just bring your lawnmower and mow my yard. <laughs> He's my brother-in-law. I put my brother-in-law hat on. I said, forget it. You, pl- carry your, you, you, mow your, you mow your own lawn. Forget it. And he says, and don't forget, this, this Monday, our day off, we're going fishing. He's my friend. And I, and I put my friend hat on. And I put my friend hat on. I had to tell you, because that is such a thing for me to understand. I have authority. I, I, I operate with a, a, an authority in my life because I know which hat to wear at the right time. Because when suddenly you come and, I, I, and, I, and I've got to be an elder in your life and you become flippant with me, then, then you neutralize. I can't be an elder if you don't receive me as an elder in that position. Or So you understand that's how authority flows. And so we get given this authority and brought into the family, but we've got to operate correctly as we, we function in this thing. So anyway, I just want to go on and say <laughs> we're authorized with power because in, in, when we are, are commissioned here in Matthew 28, Jesus came to his disciples and says, I have been given all authority in heaven, on earth, and some translations say under the earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, go and make. You can just read over that. But he, what he is doing is delegating and handing authority over to us to go and do this very thing. I want you to go. Nations baptizing him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bringing them into family, bringing them into family, teaching these new disciples to obey all that 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 I, uh, that, uh, that commands I have been given you, and be sure of this: I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You realize there he has said, "I be, I went, I got given authority, and now I can delegate that authority to you." So we are authorized as disciples to reach. Go and reach people, bring them into family, bring them into that place where they understand that they're family. Receive them as family. Raise them up in discipleship and, 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 and be a model and be an example and then release them as, dis- as disciples. We've been authorized to do that. So don't go and apologize for doing that to do that. And so God has delegated to us. We have been given the, the authority and the responsibility. It's important that you know that there are certain things that God cannot do because he's delegated it to us. 
And so it's when we pray and ask God for certain things, we are praying amiss because he has delegated it. One example is in James 4, 7. So humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Here you are, bawling and squalling to God, saying, God, the devil this, the devil that, and, and, and God saying, I have given you authority to resist the devil, and why are you asking me? I've given you that badge. You can resist the devil, and he will flee. And so as we huddle and as we humble ourselves and as we walk as family with God, God says, the devil will run from you. You just realize that. It's because there's order in ourselves. God cannot resist the devil for us. We are one of the ones that have to resist the devil. When you listen to guys like Lester Summerall, some of these generals that have gone before us, waking up and their bed has been moved in the mission field from one side of the room to the other. And when he wakes up, he realizes the demonic forces have moved him in his bed from one side to the other. He wakes up and he says, oh, it's just you. By the way, when you leave, put my bed back. And wakes up in the morning, his bed's back. Because he understands the authority we have in this unseen realm. Why? Because we've been get delegated the authority, we have the ring. God has given it to us. So we can't just mealy mouth, sorry, I'm, I, I've messed up and I'm now back in the kingdom. God says, great, fine, we've done it. Jesus paid for it. Get on with it now. Let's lead and let's go and let's grow and let's make the kingdom advance because we have been authorized to do it. So, hallelujah. I needed to say that. So there's things that we ask in prayer and, 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 and it's just, it's, we're praying amiss. And so here we just, uh, I want you to see what Jesus did as models for us uh, when he was on the earth. He, in Matthew 10, verse 5, he sent his disciples out. And here Jesus sent, um, in verse 5, it says, Jesus sent out 12 apostles. In those apostles, he sent them out. It was, it was Judas. He knew Judas what, is, what Judas was going to do. And he still sent him out. And look what happened. And, and, he, and these, his, these were his instructions. This was the authority he gave them. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of God is, is near. Some translations, it says it's here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those, that are, that, 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 that with, those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. So Jesus instructed and he authorized the, his apostles to go and preach the good news, go and tell them about the kingdom, heal the sick, and deliver the people, deliver them from demonic. And you say, well, those are the apostles, man. They're the big guns. I mean, some of those guys wrote, wrote parts of the Bible. Now, yeah, so, so I said, okay, fine. Well, then let's look at Luke 10. Luke 10 verse 1 says, Lord, the, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples. <laughs> so they're not the apostles. And he sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he, he planned to visit. Verse 8, it says, And if you enter the town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God is near, near you now. And you think, okay, fine, preach the gospel, heal the sick. And then verse 7, he says, And when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to them, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. You understand they were commissioned and they had authority and things happened. Instructed and authorized to preach, heal, and deliver. But the problem is that the believers today is what Paul talks to Timothy about in 2 Timothy 3 verse 5. It says, having a form of God in this, we deny the power. So we're so happy doing this little church thing that we are avoiding ourselves of walking in the authority. You understand that 
It's not of our doing. I remind you again, the, the protocol had nothing to do with getting the, getting the righteousness and get, or getting the robe and getting the ring. It was just gifted to us. So basically, we're just, we just doing, we are the vessels through which God's favor works. So God has gifted us with the right standing, his righteousness. It shouts approval, acceptance. You're a son and daughter. Can we settle that? We're righteous. We're in, and in any instructs, instructs us, commissions us, empowers us to preach, heal, and deliver. Look at Jesus' instructions when he, before, he, before his ascension in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem until, your father sends, uh, until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere. I want to question you, are you God-possessed? Because <laughs> it's going to take you being God-possessed to walk out the commission. It's going to be you God-possessed to advance the kingdom of God. Because why? Because he said, I want you to be possessed of me so I can work through you. And it's nothing to do with us. It's just being our availability to, 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 to have God work through us. As believers, we are in Christ. The reality is we who believe have been deputized, deputized with authority. Like uh, jo uh, Joey, he was positioned in that place of authority, having the badge, could face that 18-wheeler, that no problem. The same thing with us. When we came to Christ, he had deputized us with authority to, to advance the kingdom of God. How can he give us this whole responsibility of advancing the kingdom of God if there is no power and authority to follow and help us? It is. So we need to be, uh, to be totally uh, um, aware of it. So bringing to people to Christ, getting them to RSVP the invitation because sin has been paid for is our job. Is our job. So my question is, Salvation. Can angels, um, um, are they authorized to preach salvation? Interesting, interesting story that just kind of made the point here in Acts 10. Too long for me to read it, but I'm just going to highlight it. Highlight it. Cornelius, a Roman military captain, a Gentile, a God-fearing. He, he was generous to the poor and he prayed. And while he was praying at 3 p.m. on um, that one day, an angel appeared to, uh, of, of God appeared to him and said, instructing him to send to Peter, for Peter, who was in Joppa. He said, go and get Peter to come here. And Peter came to Cornelius' home and he preached the gospel and the Gentiles' household got saved, Holy Spirit baptized and water baptized. Isn't it more efficient just to say, Angel, can you just preach the gospel? While you're there, just preach the gospel to Cornelius' house. He could not get the angel to, to preach the gospel to Cornelius' house because the angels are not authorized to preach the gospel. It's been given to us. It's our jurisdiction. Us as humanity have to preach the gospel. So when you go and bawl and squall to God and say, God, can you save this person? Can you save that person? God says, I've already done it. It's done deal through Jesus. But it's us to go and tell them that it's a done deal, that they may sign on the line and accept Christ as Savior. It's our job. So we can't, we've got to stop bawling and squalling about it. God has not authorized angels to preach the gospel. He has authorized you and I to preach the gospel. And Jesus tells his hearers, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send no, more workers into the field. And so when you're wanting somebody to say, Father, 
Can you send somebody? Can you get him to tune into a channel that is preaching the gospel? Can you just send the message somehow so, with somebody so that that person may be saved? That's how we've got to pray. Not say, God saved. God said, I have done it already. I cannot do any more. I sent my son. He paid the price. He has done everything. He, it's, it's all there available to, to be received. How about healing? I'm going to crank you up on a bit about healing now because that's going to get us off our rusty dusty as well. Goodness, and move us on. Do we ask Jesus to heal or are we authorized to heal the sick? So then watch your prayers. Watch your verbiage. Because here we're asking Jesus to heal. And what did Jesus do on the cross? By his stripes, we were healed. Past tense. He has done it. Signed for it. Done the deal. So we've got to understand that. And we see there in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John off to, uh, off to pray in the temple at 3 o'clock again. I don't know how these guys can pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. If I close my eyes at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going for a nap. <laughs> Not going to be praying. A lame man at the gate, beautiful, asked them for money. Peter and John looked at him and said, I have no silver and no gold, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. You see, they had something that they gave to that lame man and he got up and walked. We have something for the sick. The presence of God within us. And we are the ones commissioned. That we, pro, uh, we possess healing within us by the resident Holy Spirit that's within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we can't go and, and pray, God, heal this person, heal that. He said, at Calvary, Jesus took care of all sin and all sickness. Now you go and lay hands on the sick. We have within these earthen vessels the spirit of the living God. And 1 John 4, 4 says, the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. I want to just tell you, man, I was with Robert Laird, and he's a, he was at 21 years old when I, when I first encountered, came across um, to the States in 1986, and I traveled with him. I, was, uh, I carried his books and sold his books before services and stuff like that, and he was powerfully used of God. He was the first, young, uh, first uh, baby to be born in Oral Roberts University. That's why they called him Roberts. And so his grandma was a real Pentecostal firehouse, and so she would pray Peggy's trouser leg to her leg and his sister's to her other leg and pray until the glory moved, came into the building. That's the kind of grandma he, he, he grew up on. And so when he would pray, he would come in and, 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 and uh, I would watch him and he said, Rod, you need to come and catch. And you know, the, the anointing is so thick, it's so heavy, it's so hard to even stand up there. Here I am standing behind these people that uh, um, are finding it very difficult. You know, when 200 volts hits 10 volts, something's going to give. It's not 10 volts, okay? And um, that's what happens when God kind of pitches up on, on the scene. And so he, he comes up to this person and he wants to pray. And as he gets close to that person, he goes down on the ground. He says, Rod, can you pick him up, please? So I get him up. I said, listen, you got to get up again. So looking bewildered. He said, listen, sir, or listen, ma'am. He says, "Uh, what I have is still here in my hands. I haven't delivered it yet. Can you stand up long enough so I can deliver it? And then he puts his hands. Have you seen the defibrillator? Those things that you put on and kicks the heart? That's what these things are. The Bible says believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Why? Because within you is the power of God that you release with your paddles and believe God and, and announce healing and declare healing because God wants us to be the vessels through which divine favor flows. I hope it's encouraging your faith that we are not just, just walking pieces of clay. 
We are alive, empowered by God. So working with Robert's dead, and I just saw the power of God flowing. And so don't hold back. Walmart, say, lady, can I pray for you? Sir, can I pray for you? Lay your hand, shoulder, ear, anywhere. Just lay your hand. Let the paddle touch and let the, and let the God inside you deposit the healing or the deliverance or the freedom or whatever that person needs. So we need to be that defibrillator for God. Amen? Amen. Oh, come on. You've got to be brave for God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'll close with this because I've got myself so excited I need to land. Because <sighs> I want to go and find somebody to pray for. Hallelujah. Because resident within us, guys, the prodigal son had nothing, came back with nothing, just a mess. And he got given a robe and he's given the ring. Next week we'll talk about the shoes. But I'll tell you what, we are authorized today. Not tomorrow, today. We're authorized when you said yes to Jesus. And some of us have been sitting with this gift. We need to deliver this gift. We need to pass it through us. We need to be the ones that are preaching the good news. We need to be healing the sick. And we need to be sorting out the devil, delivering people, and allowing them to go free from being oppressed. Do they have to be saved? No, no. I mean, how many people were saved that Jesus healed? They didn't even know about salvation. They didn't even know about Jesus. They didn't know anything about that. But they came, they're sick, and Jesus held them, touched them, prayed for them. And then you also, next week I'll talk about how, how you walk in it. I mean, sometimes Jesus made mud, spat in the ground, made mud. Can you believe that? And then put it in the guy's eyes and just, I don't mind if he spat in the mud. If I had no eyes and that would cause me to have eyes and create eyes, spit on the ground, Jesus, bring it on. I'm ready for that. And so we had old, um, uh, old David Newberry and in the evangelistic uh, crusades in, South, in Africa. And man, he had this thing that he, he had anointing for ears, deaf ears, could, man, no way. And he would just put his fingers in the ear, bam, bam, bam. And God would just be, I mean, he just, he just used his paddles. There's nothing to do with us. It's the God in us. So don't get a big head when suddenly somebody here gets healed just to realize that we're just a vessel through which the divine favor flows, Amen. preventing misfortune in the lives of others. Yeah. And we are thankful and we are grateful people. And in that we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. Yay, Father. You found us and you delivered us and you kissed us and you put your robe on us and you placed a ring on our finger. And Father, the only thing we can say is thank you. Thank you and allow us to be the vessels through which whew, your goodness and your greatness and your grace can flow. So church, where you find yourself, guys online, wherever you find yourself, ask God, Holy Spirit, I, where am I? Do I believe this stuff? What is Rod saying? Well, go and have a look at the scriptures I've read and there's a whole lot more that I can give you and I'll give you some more next week. But God wants us to Wake up and shake up and advance the kingdom of God. Do not shrink back. Man, we can't shrink back. And so wherever you find yourself today, say, God, I have ears to hear. Help me hear what you want me to do. And today, the Father's been looking and been looking far off to see some of you. And today, maybe you've turned your head and looked towards Him and he, he's, he wants to run towards you. And He needs you to say in your heart, Father, today I come to you. 
you haven't responded to the king, I did 45 or 44 years ago, I responded and the father ran to me, kissed me, hugged me, has held my hand and has walked with me these, these 44 years. And he wants to do that with you. And if that's you, it's just a prayer away. He comes by invitation. He comes running. He comes running with the robe. He comes running with the ring. He comes to make you family. And if that's you, we pray as a church out loud just to encourage you to pray. But it's a prayer of invitation, inviting Jesus into your life. And so church, you know what to do. Let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died on that cross for me. You paid for my sins. I receive the forgiveness in Jesus' name. I receive you as Lord. I invite you into my life today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of you may need paddles put on you. You need defibrillators placed on you. We're going to sing the song maybe just not too long, just one or two times through. And then in that time, if you want to come up here, eldership team, leadership team, come up here. Connect with, lay your hands on, believe God, pray for people. Would you do that for us? The Bible says we're too agreed touching anything that's done by my Father in heaven. So today, 